to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number 12. We were here on Sunday, and I want to just read this as a uh, sort of a jumping board to get into uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. Daniel chapter number 12 in your Bibles. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you about this subject, our first day in eternity. Our first day in eternity. And I hope this will be a blessing. I hope it will be an encouragement to you. And so we're going to turn to a lot of places tonight. And so uh, if you would keep your Bibles open and be ready to turn, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, <clears throat> at least as many, <clears throat> as many as we can. And so Daniel chapter number 12 in your Bibles. And <clears throat> when you find your place, if you'll stand tonight <clears throat> with us out of respect for the reading of God's word. Daniel chapter number 12, and let's look at verse number 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight, and uh, at least in a way, we're going to just use that, as I said, as a sort of a jumping board to get into the, into the study tonight. You may be seated, and let's talk about that tonight, our first day in eternity. And so let's pray, and we'll, we'll jump right into this tonight. Father, we thank you for the beautiful day of life that you've given us, and Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together as a church family and enjoy fellowship and God, enjoy, uh, Lord, worshiping together, singing together, Lord, uh, just to, to do what we've done tonight, Lord, to feature one of our great missionaries, and Lord, to pray around the altar, Lord, these are special things and special times, they really are, and Lord, I wonder how many other Christians around the world would love, love, love to do what we're doing right now, and, uh, and yet, Lord, they're not able, many don't have the freedom, if they do it, they have to do it behind closed doors or out in the forest somewhere, uh, Lord, in a darkened room, in a tunnel. And so, Father, here we are. We're just, Lord, we're able to pull into the church and carry our Bibles. And, and Father, we don't have to fear. And, Father, we're just blessed. We really are. We're, we're, we're blessed beyond measure. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, as we organize into a Bible study, I pray that you would uh, give us strength to, uh, to pay attention I know that folks are a little more weary on a Wednesday night. And so, Lord, give us strength. Give us energy supernaturally. And I pray that we'd be able to listen and follow along. And I pray that, Lord, what we talk about tonight would be a blessing and a help. And so fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill our people. And I pray that Jesus would receive glory and praise from all that's done. And, Lord, uh, I pray that you'd use this message to maybe convict someone of their need and if they don't know Christ as Savior, I pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, even tonight on this June the 1st, 2022, 
And so, Lord, help us, please, now. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Notice verse 2 again, if you will, in Daniel chapter 12. And many of them that sleep in the dust, that's talking about those that have, uh, have died, of course. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, uh, we do know that this is speaking of those that are the Old Testament saints that are going to be resurrected at the uh, end of the day of the Lord, those that are going to come out of the grave uh, at the end of the tribulation, and also probably those uh, uh, tribulation saints. And that's a whole different study, and we'll talk about that later on. Uh, but the Bible says that some are going to awake to everlasting life, and some are going to awake to everlasting contempt. Now, we talked about that Sunday as we talked about the difference between eternal life and everlasting life. And so I guess basically you could sum it up, sum it up by saying that we looked into what's known as eternity, eternity. And more when you begin to think about eternity, you know, eternity is uh, almost like the doctrine of the Trinity. It's hard to wrap your mind around eternity. What's eternity? Well, if you look, look up the actual definition, the word eternity in the Merriam-Webster dictionary means ever, <laughs> ever. Uh, or it means this, it means the afterlife. And so we're gonna talk tonight about the afterlife. What's the afterlife gonna be like? Have you ever wondered about that? What's eternity gonna be like? When you close your eyes in death here, What's going to happen? What's going to be next? What's heaven going to be like? Is it something, you know, is death something that I need to dread? Is it something that I need to fear? Uh, is it something that, you know, I don't want to talk about? I don't want to discuss? And boy, there's a lot of people like that. You know folks like that who don't want to talk about it. They don't want to make their funeral arrangements. They don't want to talk about life insurance. I mean, they don't want to, they don't want to visit the funeral home they, uh, because it reminds, them, it reminds them of death. But I'm just so glad, I, honestly. And this it really is Bible study tonight, really more than a preaching sermon. But I'm just so glad I can come to this church tonight and say this, that if you're here this evening and you know Christ as Savior, you don't have to dread death. <laughs> It is not something that you have to fear. <clears throat> Listen, death is something that you can almost welcome. And I, <clears throat> and I really I hope, I hope that's what it will help you to do tonight. And so we're going to look about this thing of eternity. What's eternity going to be like? And maybe even a little bit more specifically, what is our first day in eternity going to be like? Well, I really believe this. I believe as we study the Word of God, I, uh, actually the Bible has quite a bit to say about this. And, and so we're going to look at, uh, and we're just going to barely, barely scratch the service tonight. And I know that uh, a, a month or two back, I know we did our series on heaven, and this is sort of an add-on to that, you know. We can't quite seem to get away from that study. Uh, but I want to talk to you about some words that are used to describe the Christian's first day in eternity. And I'll just give you three. I'll just give you three words tonight. And these, this is so simple, and you can just jot, jot this down in the margin of your Bible. But what are some words that are used to describe the Christian's first day in eternity? And uh, I hope this is as much of a blessing to you as it was to me when I studied this out. How about this? First of all, it's the word new. New. 
and so the Bible says that all things will be new. And so let's look at it tonight. All right, I want you to turn over the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, uh, which is a book that a lot of people like to study, but some folks are a little confused about. And so let's look at Revelation chapter number three. And uh, I've got tons and tons of scripture tonight. So we'll just, we'll go to as many as we can this evening. Uh, Revelation chapter three and look at verse number 12 tonight, if you will. Revelation three and verse 12. I'm gonna go ahead and read while you're finding your place. Revelation 3, verse 12, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, watch this now, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God and I will write upon him my new name. All right, I want you to turn over a page and look at Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five and look at verse number nine tonight. Revelation five and verse number nine. Pastor, how's heaven gonna be? What's eternity gonna be like? Well, Revelation five verse nine, the Bible says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. All right, I want you to turn over toward the very back of the book, Revelation 21. Revelation 21, and uh, look, if you will, at verse number one. Now here John the Revelator is. God has given him a revelation. He's given him the ability to see into what heaven's gonna be like. And John writes these words down, Revelation 21 and verse number one. And John says this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Same chapter, but look at verse number five tonight, if you will, verse five, Revelation 21 and verse number five. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, behold, I make all things, what? New. I make all things new. And he said unto me, John, he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. In other words, what I'm telling you is true and faithful. John, I want you to write it down because God said, I'm gonna make all things new. Now, church, think with me tonight. You know, there's nothing quite like having something that's brand new. Have you ever had something brand new? Have you ever bought a brand new car? (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that's the thing to do necessarily anymore, but but, uh, boy, if you've ever bought a brand new car, and it's just, you know, there's nothing quite, quite like buying a brand new car or a brand new pickup truck or whatever the case may be. I mean, when you buy something new, you think about the smell, you think about the look. I mean, there's not a scratch on it. There's not a piece of trash in it. There's not a stain on the upholstery. You say, Pastor, that's definitely not mine. That's for sure. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's brand new. I mean, there's just nothing like something that's brand new. I'm talking about a car, a truck. I'm talking about a house. Uh, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, if you're not identifying with me yet, I'm talking about bringing home that brand new gun, fellas. I mean, just, you know, brand new. I just brand new. Amen, Brother Wayne. Just brand new. And uh, you've never shot it before. Nobody's ever shot it. I mean, a bullet's never been through the, uh, through the barrel. You know, it's sort of sacred. I mean, it's just, it's new. I mean, there's just, there's just something about it that, that just makes it really, really special. Have you ever done this? 
I know you probably never have. Have you ever went on vacation and mistakenly you made a reservation at an old motel? Maybe you booked it on a third-party website or something, you know, and, uh, and, and, and maybe you made the mistake of not reading the reviews. Man, I'm going to tell you what, my wife and I, we never go anywhere anymore unless we read the reviews. Um, but you did. You, 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 uh, you clicked on the button and you booked this place and you forgot to look at the reviews and, and then you showed up a little bit later and it was very evident to you that this place was definitely not new. I mean, it was run down. I remember my wife and I, we went on our honeymoon and uh, she had made all the arrangements. And several years before our honeymoon, her and her family had went down to a place called Ormond Beach, Florida. And uh, they had stayed in a, in a hotel there as a family. And it was nice. It was a nice place. And so uh, several, uh, several years later, we were wed and and, uh, and we were going to go to Florida for our honeymoon. And so she said, honey, we, several years ago, she said, we stayed, our family stayed at this place and it's a nice place in Ormond Beach. And, and I was like, okay, great, do it. Let's, let's book it. And so, uh, of course, this was way before internet or Wi-Fi. We didn't know what Wi-Fi was. And so uh, she called down, made the arrangements. We booked it all. And, and uh, we were, you know, we got married. And man, we were just, uh, uh, we were so we were just giddy. I mean, you know, we were so glad to be married. We left some of the writing on the car, you know, just married. And we left the ribbon on the antenna and, uh, people would come by and they'd honk, you know, because we just got married. And man, we were just literally, we floated to Florida. I mean, we really did. We just floated the whole way. And, and I'll never forget, we drove into Ormond beach and we were so excited we were going to stay there all week. We were going to stay in this really nice place. And, uh, and uh, oh boy, we pulled in. <laughs> and I'm sure I did not do this, but I probably wanted to say, honey, is this it? <laughs> and uh, and uh, truth matter is, she probably wanted to say the same thing. Is this it? And we pulled in and I remember, you know, it didn't look so nice. And uh, we went in and they told us where our room was, and we both, you know, we were already, we were, our hearts sunk. I mean, we were disappointed. And I can remember we got on the elevator, if the elevator worked, and we, we went up, you know, to our room. And, and I'll never forget this, and she can verify this. The windows in our room, of course, they're supposed to be looking out at the ocean, and the windows in our room were so dirty that you couldn't hardly see out. And, uh, and so we, we literally opened the door and walked in and we were like, no way, Jose. I mean, no way. We're not staying here. And so I can remember this. I can, you know, we were so disappointed. We were so disappointed. You know what we did? We got in the car and we went down the strip there from Ormond Beach to Daytona Beach and there was a brand spanking new Holiday Inn. Man, it was brand new. Man, we parked in the parking lot, walked in, man, you could smell the newness. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was a, uh, 12 stories, I think, and it was a big old giant place, had restaurants in it, and it was right on the ocean. And, and, uh, and we walked in, and we told the guy there at the, at the hotel, we told him what happened, and we were so disappointed. And he said, you know what, no problem. He said, let me see what I can do. And then he started doing some tapping on the keyboard, and he said, you know what I'm gonna do? He said, I'm gonna give you a room on the 12th floor, and he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it cheaper than another place that you were gonna stay. And you know what, we stayed at this brand new, new hotel. By the way, that's the favor of God. Amen. And we stayed at this brand new hotel the whole week. 
And it was just, man, it was awesome. I mean, when you walked through the door, it had that new feel and it had a new smell and it had a, it had a fresh look. Listen, did you know one of the great, great things about heaven is that the newness will never wear off? It will never wear off. When you walk into heaven one day, you're going to be like, whoa. You're going to need a glorified body to experience heaven. That's why the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You'll have to have a glorified body to withstand the glories of heaven. And when you walk in, it'll be, it'll be new. Have you ever done this? Have you ever purchased a brand new car and you wanted to figure out a way to keep the new car smell in the car? Anybody ever done that? Maybe certain things had plastic on them and so you left the plastic on there to try to keep that new car smell in there. The kids got ready to bring their popcorn in the car and you're like, no way. Nope, I don't think so. And, <laughs> and of course now, you know, you have to knock all the popcorn out. But, but, you know, it was brand new. And you wanted to keep that new car smell in there. And I said that to say this, did you know that heaven will never lose the new heaven smell? Forever and ever and ever, heaven will never lose its luster. He said, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? I want to show you. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn back from Revelation, turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse number 4 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4. And look what our Bible says. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. I'm going to go ahead and read while you're finding your place. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. The Bible says to an inheritance incorruptible, and undefiled, look at this next part, and that fadeth not away. And look at the last part, church, reserved in heaven for you. By the way, can I tell you this? I've read the reviews. And they're all A plus, every one of them. Hey, same chapter, I'm sorry, not the same chapter, but same book, First Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and look at verse number 4. 1 Peter 5, verse 4, the Bible says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Again, I told you we're going to turn to a lot of places tonight. And so I want you to turn back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 6 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter number 6, and look at verse number 19. Matthew 6 and verse number 19. Now, again, I want you to think, think with me, church, because this really is a blessing. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now turn over a few more pages to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter number 12 in your Bibles. And look at verse number 33 tonight. Luke <coughs> chapter number 12. And look at verse number 33. <clears throat> I love this. Luke 12 verse 33. The Bible says, sell that ye have and give alms. Look at the next line. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that what? That faileth not, 
where no thief approacheth, where no moth corrupteth. That church, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm just telling you that a million years after we've lived in heaven, whatever that is, and there'll be no years in heaven, there'll be no time in heaven. But if you wanted to put it in our, the, the way we comprehend time, did you know that a million years after we have been in heaven, that heaven will be just as new as the day we got there? It will never fade. It will never rust. It will never tarnish. A million years, you know, one of these days, if you've got loved ones that died many years ago, that knew the Lord, and they died many, many years ago, uh, they're in heaven. One of these days, you're going to get there, and you're going to see them, and you're going to say, man, this place is like brand new, and they're going to say, it's always been like that. It never fades. It never rusts. It never... It never loses that. It never loses that appeal. And so, what is eternity going to be like, preacher? Well, number one, it's going to be new. It's going to be new. But then there's another word that we associate with eternity, and it's the word "no." All right. So I want you to go back to the book of Revelation, and I think we'll stay there most of the time tonight. Revelation chapter number 21. So right there at the very, very back of your Bible. Revelation 21. And I want you to find verse number one for me. Revelation 21 and verse number one. Not only is the word, does the word new describe eternity, but the word no. Revelation 21.1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth uh, were passed away. Look at this last part. And there was what? No more sea. All right, same chapter, verse four. Revelation 21, verse four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be what? No more death. Can I get an amen right there? No more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Same chapter, skip down to verse number 23. Revelation 21, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Same chapter, skip down to verse number 25. Verse 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Same chapter, skip down to verse number 27. Verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the, in the Lamb's book of life. Turn over one page to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, look at verse number three. And the Bible says, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Look at verse 5. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So not only does the word new describe eternity, but thank God the word no describes the word eternity. Now, there are several things that we want to point out here. First of all, the Bible says there'll be no more sea. No more sea. You ever wondered about that? Why is there not going to be a sea, at least that, like it's in our mind, why is there not going to be a sea in heaven? I'm going to be honest with you. My wife and I occasionally, we like going to the sea. 
We like going to the ocean. Uh, and boy, it's beautiful. We love to go, and you do too. I know, we love to go to the ocean. It's beautiful to look at, but I just want to say this real quickly. There'll be no shortage of beautiful things to look at in heaven. <laughs> but there are some reasons there'll be no sea. And uh, how about this? There'll be no sea because it's a constant reminder of God's judgment. When you look at the sea and you look at the vastness of the oceans, you can't help but be reminded of the flood and the judgment of Almighty God. There'll be no more sea because the sea is something that causes major separation in today's world. Uh, there'll be no more sad separations in heaven. There's, there's some, I guarantee you this, there's some little military wife somewhere that lives in the States and she can't run to see her husband. You know why? Because he's across the sea. And she wishes she could. She wants to hug him and kiss him and hold on to him. They've got a brand new baby and she wants to show him the new baby and, and he wants to hold that new baby and yet they cannot get together and the reason she can't just drive over is because he's across the sea. And you see, the sea is a, is a picture of separation. And boy, church, isn't this a blessing that in heaven, there'll be no more separations in heaven. No more painful partings. No more saying goodbyes to your loved ones. But thank God, man, I feel like shouting right now, but thank God we'll be for, together forever and ever and ever. But I want to I tell you something else. And Brother Mike and I were having this conversation. And man, what a blessing. Can I tell you why there'll be no sea in heaven? Because the sea has been, for all these years, the sea has been the repository for our sins. Micah 7, 19 says it like this, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You know what that means? Your sin won't be there. <laughs> Have you ever had a time in your life where you thought, man, I wish I could just get this behind me. Man, I wish I could erase that part of my life. And by the way, it's under the blood. And if you're saved, it's forgiven. But boy, how many know this? How many know that the enemy is the, is, is the kind that always brings it up? Always brings up the past. Always wants to remind you of the past. And I'm going to just say, when he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. But I'm telling you, one of these days, we're going to be in a place where your sins will be no more. And it's also interesting, the Bible says that instead of a sea, there'll be, there will be a constant rainbow around the throne. By the way, a complete rainbow, which is a picture of God's amazing mercy. Now, we got to hurry. i got too much to give you tonight. But the Bible also mentions this. The Bible says there'll be no more death, no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. And I got to, you know, I got to pondering on this and praying about this and, and asking the Lord to speak to my heart. And, and boy, God began to open some things up to me. And as I began to think about no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying and no more pain, did you know that all these truths are teaching us very, something very significant about this place called heaven? We say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, let me tell you what this tells us. It tells us, first of all, there'll be no more negatives in heaven. Now, how many would say him into this? Life is good. Let me give you another chance at that. Life is good. Life is good. Life is especially good for the child of God. I mean, life's good. 
We're saved. We've got a roof over our head. We've got food to eat. We've got clothes on our back. I mean, we've got shoes on our feet. We're blessed. On top of that, we live in America. We have a great church to attend. God's given us of his Holy Spirit. I mean, man, we, we are blessed beyond measure. But the truth of the matter is, there's some negatives. There are some negatives in this life. We still have sickness. I wish I could come to you tonight and say, by the way, church, uh, they found a cure for cancer. There's no more cancer. I can't do that. Some of your loved ones have cancer. We've been praying for Nathaniel Berge on a regular basis. Nathaniel's been plagued with a certain type of cancer. Fatal if it's not dealt with. There's disappointment. There's hardship. There's persecution. There's sadness. There's separation. But you know what the Bible is telling us here? This is what the word of God is saying. That in heaven there will be not one solitary negative in all of God's heaven. And the songwriter said it like this. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the sky. They tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of a cloudless day. No negatives. What a blessing. But I'll tell you something else it tells us. Not only there'll be no more negatives in heaven, number two, there'll be no more need in heaven. Now, look, if you will, at Revelation 22 and verse number three, and I'm hurrying. Revelation 22, verse number, verse number three, there'll be no more need in heaven. Revelation 22, three, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Watch this. And there shall be no night there, and they need... No candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Skip back a page and look at Revelation 21 and verse number 22. John the apostle says it like this in verse 22, and I I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And so the Bible says there's no need of light, there's no need of candle, there's no need of the sun, and there's no need of a temple. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible's teaching us a great truth. (laughs) You know what it's saying? There's no need. There is no need in heaven. You know why? Because Jesus will fulfill every single need that we have. When you get to glory, there will be nothing. You, you will never. You know what? If somebody would say in heaven, anybody have a need? No hand would go up because there will be no need in heaven. In fact, in fact, since you're in Revelation, it's not that far to go. Look at Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And look at verse number 16. Revelation 7, verse 16, the Bible says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. Look at verse 17, interesting. The Bible says, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, church, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know exactly what that verse means, but people ask me all the time. They'll say, preacher, why, why did God create all the galaxies and the universes? And scientists tell us that there are thousands of them. Did you know as big as our Milky Way galaxy is, they tell us that ours is one of the smallest. And yet we can't even get to the end of ours. And, and, and yet God has created all these other universes and galaxies and planets and stars. Somebody says, preacher, why would God create all of that if, if nothing's inhabiting those planets? Well, I'll just tell you this, and I don't know this, that, that, that this is the case, but it could be that one of these days he's going to lead us and feed us. And we're going to visit galaxies and universes and planets and stars for all of eternity. And while we're, it's going to be like one big, gigantic, glorified field trip. And you won't have to pack your lunch. You know why? He's going to feed you. And he's going to lead you. And he's going to take care of you. You see, there'll be no need in heaven because Jesus will fulfill every single need. In fact, in Colossians 3.11, you don't have to turn there, but in Colossians 3.11, the Bible says about our Lord that Christ is all and in all. <laughs> and so no more negatives, no more need, but there's another one. I, and I like this one. No more nervousness. In heaven. You say, whoa, where do you find that at, preacher? I've read it. I never, I never saw that. No more nervousness in heaven. Are you in Revelation still? Turn over to Revelation 21 and look at verse number 25. Revelation 21, verse 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. And look at this next line. For there shall be no night there. Same chapter. Look at verse 27. The Bible says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever work of the abomination or make of the lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, the night, the night, darkness, the night is often a picture of something in the Bible. The night is a picture of anxiety. The night is a picture of the unforeseen. The night is a picture of not knowing what to expect. And this is, by the way, this is just common sense. This is not deep. This is just common sense. When it's nighttime, your vision is, is limited. You can't see. So that means this, when you're walking down an alley or you're walking somewhere and uh, you don't know what's around the next corner, it's dark. And you're not really sure if anybody's waiting around the corner, if they've got a, a crowbar in their hand or a gun or something or a switchblade and they're going to try to take your life. You can't see it. Your sight is limited. And so there is some nervousness there. And we are living in a world, aren't we, where people are suffering from chronic nervousness, chronic worry. I'm telling you the truth tonight. Chronic anxiety, chronic doubt. In fact, did you know that doctors are telling us that, that a lot of the ailments that people are going to the hospital for and being treated for are a direct result of stress? People are absolutely stressed out. 
They're worried about this. They're worried about COVID. They're worried about all these other things. And I'm glad that I can come to this church family tonight and tell you that happy day. There is coming a day and there is coming a place when there will be no more worry and no more anxiety. And thank God, not an ounce of nervousness will be in heaven. And so what are some words, preacher, that illustrate or describe eternity? Number one, new. Number two, no. And there's a last one. Number three is the word names. Names. Did you know the Bible tells us this, that the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are on the gates of the new Jerusalem. And the names of the 12 apostles are on the foundations around the city. Look, look at it in Revelation 21. And look at verse number 12. Revelation 21, verse number 12. We're almost done. Revelation 21, verse number 12 the Bible says, and I had, and, and, and had a great, a wall great and high, and had 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. By the way, that's a different study, and maybe at a later time, we'll get into that, why he inscribed those names on the walls and the foundations, on the gates and on the foundations. But our Bible's telling us something about eternity, about heaven, that there are some names that are actually inscribed on heaven. But how many know this? There are some other names recorded in heaven, and it's the names of the saved. And you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Luke chapter 10. Remember the story where the Bible says that Jesus gave, gave the disciples power? And they went out and they began to minister and they began to heal the sick and cast out devils. And, and God had given them a certain amount of supernatural power. And, and man, they're just healing and casting out demons. And, and they came back to the Lord and they said, man, Lord, this is, I mean, this is amazing. The power that you've given us, this is amazing. Remember what Jesus said? He said, don't rejoice. Rejoice not because you're able to cast out a devil. He said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And I would just ask you tonight, I want to ask you this question. Is your name written in heaven? If you're watching by way, by way of the live stream tonight, is your name, is your name inscribed in heaven? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And you say, Pastor, why is it important that my name is inscribed in heaven? Why is it important that it's written in heaven? Well, listen to Revelation 20. If you're in Revelation, just turn over there with me. Revelation chapter 20, and look at verse number 14. Revelation 20 and verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Notice verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Some of you remember this, and I can't believe it was 2009. I cannot believe it's been that long ago. But in 2009, a very unique event took place. 
the White House was having a, um, uh, one of these state dinners. And I want to just read the article for you if I could. And uh, it goes like this. ABC News cameras first spotted the uh, Salahis arriving at the White House with a Bravo Network TV crew in tow around 7 p.m. on November 24th. The couple proceeded through the first checkpoint and continued several hundred yards to a second screening station where their names should have been checked but apparently were not. The Secret Service says here the Salahis went through a metal detector and were checked for weapons. At 7.35 p.m., a Marine announced the Salahis to the world as the glitzy couple waltzed, waltzed right into the supposedly super secure entry hall, completing an extraordinary breach of security. The Salahis then mingled at an exclusive reception at the White House East Room uh, before proceeding at approximately 8 p.m. to the Blue Room where they greeted President Obama and India's Prime Minister Singh. But the Salahis weren't done. By 8.30 p.m., they were rubbing elbows in the dinner tent on the White House's South Lawn, meeting White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel and Vice President Joe Biden by 9 p.m., just as the dinner started, the Salahis exited. What's really interesting about this story is that the names of the Salahis was never on the list of invited guests, and yet they made it in. Now you say, preacher, why tell that story? Because that story will never happen in eternity. When we get to heaven one day and you say to someone in heaven, how'd you make it? And they say, man, we just slipped, it. We just slipped through. No, you won't slip through. There will be a book of life and your name will have to be written in that book of life if you're gonna be admitted into God's wonderful place called heaven. Boy, aren't you glad about this church? Aren't you glad this is not the end? Boy, thank God. You not, only, you not only don't have to fear death, we've got something to look forward to. What a place heaven is gonna be. I hope that's been a help to you tonight. Father, we thank you for this Bible study we've had tonight. Lord, thank you for reminding us of what heaven's gonna be like. Lord, a place that's gonna be new, brand new. Lord, a place that will never rust, never fade. It'll never tarnish. Lord, 10 million years in, it'll still look just as new as it's always looked. But not only new, but no. Thank you, Lord, no more sea, no more sin. No more death, no more crying, no more pain. Thank you, Lord, that there'll be no more negatives, no more need. And thank God there'll be no more nervousness. Lord, I want to say tonight, thank you that my name is written there. And Lord, just in case, I know this is Wednesday and this is pretty much the backbone of our church. But just in case, it could be that there's somebody here tonight And they're not sure that their name is written in heaven. Father, tonight, would you work in their heart? And I pray tonight that they will let go and let God have his way. And that they'll give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts tonight. Thank you for giving us such encouraging scriptures. We appreciate you and thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, can I ask real quickly, how many, first of all, are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm on my way to that place called heaven. I know it. And if that's you, in all honesty, between you and the Lord, would you slip your hand up right now if that's you? Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure my name is written there. And I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. If that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to be real honest right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up and let me remember you? Is there one anywhere? I see that hand. Is there another? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that my name is written in heaven. I'm not sure. I need you to pray for me. Is there anybody else? Can I pray for you? Come on. Can I pray for you? Amen. I see that hand. So why don't we stand all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Thank you for reminding us of how wonderful eternity is going to be for the child of God. What a place. What a place called heaven. Father, I'm thankful for this one that raised their hand. And now, right now, I pray, Lord, that you would work in their life. And I pray that you would show them their need of Jesus. And Father, I pray that they would, Lord, I pray that you'd give them understanding and I pray that they would do business with the Lord of Lords tonight. Father, work, I pray, please. And then, Lord, maybe there are those who need to just come and rededicate their life to Jesus or maybe someone's been struggling in some area this week and they just need to, before we go, they just need to tiptoe down to the altar and, and just, just, Lord, have a prayer with you tonight. God, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you for it. And our heads are bowed. I'm going to ask a couple of our, our personal workers if they just tiptoe down here to the altar for me just for a few moments and just be down here in the altar. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure my name is written in heaven. Hey, would you just step out right now? Would you step out right now and come? And we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come while we wait? While we wait, if God's dealing with your heart, preacher, I need to be saved. Would you just come on right now and let us help you, let us pray with you? We're going to sing this little chorus.